Deuteronomy chapter 32. Sam mentioned that in Mark's gospel we have been going through Jesus' last week and uh, about three or four weeks ago I think it was we looked at the triumphal entry which we often celebrate on Palm Sunday Um, so we won't be looking at that today but rather we're going to carry on and finish our series looking at different attributes of God and that may shock some of you Uh, Palm Sunday why are we not looking at the triumphal entry but All of God's attributes are perfectly shown in the life of Jesus, specifically in his death and resurrection. So it will become clear as we work through uh, this next attribute that that it all comes together on Palm Sunday. Since January, we've been taking time to get to know our God better. We've asked the question, who is God? And the Bible has answered that our God is incomparable, unchanging, holy, 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 sovereign, love, and merciful, six. And today, for the final time, God's word responds to our question, who is God, with the answer, with the truth, that our God is just. Our God is just. Let's read the word of God together in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verses 3 to 4. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verses 3 to 4. Moses says, For I will proclaim the name of Yahweh, Ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And we'll finish our reading there. I'm sure all of you, myself included, saw the headlines during the week. It's another headline that flashes up on our news screens from many different parts of the world. And this time it came from America. On Monday morning, a shooter entered a Christian private school in Nashville and shot dead six people, three staff members and three children. Police officers responded quickly and they shot dead the attacker. And after a, a, a terrible and tragic event like this, many opinions circulate in politics, online, among families, and among friends. But I think that after such a tragedy, there is one subject on all of our minds, and it's the subject of injustice. Injustice. This evil person shot dead six innocent people. One was a substitute teacher who may have only been in school for that one day. The three children were only nine years old. And this attacker will never, never face the police, the parents, or the public. And we say, it's not fair. And as I look around this diverse room... All of you know firsthand the feeling of a sense of injustice, a sense of injustice personally, a sense of injustice from your own uh, background, whatever country you may have grown up in. That feeling, that, that anger that burns within us when evil goes unpunished. The distress that we experience when we hear of the abuse of children and women and migrants. 
The hurt that we feel with inside of us when we personally are discriminated because of our age, because of our race, or even because of our sex. And we say, where is the justice? It's not fair. I think too about our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Physically and verbally attacked because they believe that Jesus is the son of God. Christians in the Middle East, Sub-Sahara Africa and Asia daily experience rejection and abuse for their faith in Jesus. And yet, their persecutors won't face trial. Will the 5,621 Christians that we know who were killed in 2022 because of their faith ever be avenged? Like our Psalm, Psalm 13 said this morning, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And even if you're not a Christian today, you still want justice. It's still the one subject on your mind when, when, when the news screen flashes with that breaking news. Because God has written his law on everyone's heart. So everyone in this world is outraged and grieved to some degree when injustice occurs and the guilty go free. Will evildoers be held accountable? Will sin be judged and good be rewarded? Will the blood of the martyrs be avenged? Yes. Can we be sure? Yes. Why? Because the Bible tells us that our God is just. That he is righteous. That he will punish sin and avenge his people. Now you may be saying, well Alex, what does that word just mean? I know that the word can be used like an like a adverb, I have just had a cup of tea. No, that's not what we're talking about here. It's an attribute. So to better understand what this means, we have two questions to ask about this one subject on our minds. What does the word just mean? And secondly, is God just? So two questions to ask. Question number one, what does the word just mean? Well, if you look at the internet... Uh, uh, just is defined as actions based on or behaving to what is morally right or wrong. A just person then is someone who acts according to a moral standard. An unjust person is someone who fails to act according to a moral standard. That's what justice is. Right and wrong standards and whether you act according to that and whether you act not according to it. But the problem with the internet's definition is that it doesn't supply us with the moral standard. Do we, do I decide what's right and wrong based on how I feel? Do countries decide what's right and wrong based on the opinions of a select few? Who sets the standard of morality? So to know what just to what is just, we must first know what the standard is. And God, in his word, provides us with that standard. God can do this because he is our creator. And as we thought in week one, there is no one besides him. God's standard is himself, his own holy and righteous character. 
It's a standard that has been revealed to us in his moral law. It has been written upon our hearts so that whenever our conscience feels um, a, a sense of injustice, a sense of uh, moral right and wrong, we, 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 we have that inward feeling because it's been written on our hearts. And God's standard has been finally and fully and perfectly practiced by his son, Jesus. A just action, then, is an action according to God's unchanging moral standard. An action that aligns with his character. An unjust action is an action at odds with God's unchanging moral standard. It goes against his standard. Back in Genesis 18, verse 25, we see uh, Abraham that knew that God was the judge of all, that God had a standard, and saying uh, to God, Genesis 18, verse 25, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you, O God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? So Abraham is saying that, that God as judge of all the earth must fulfill and act according to his set and revealed standard. And that's what the word just means as related to God. It means acting according to God's set standard. God is the judge. God is the moral standard setter. He is just. And that brings us to a second question. Is God just? Or Phrase it a little bit differently. Is God always just? Does God always act and judge according to his standard? Now we may feel something. We may have experienced something. The culture may tell us something. But uh, across our series we've been establishing that the Bible, God's inspired word, is the sole and final authority in all matters of belief and practice. So as Christians we must always examine the scriptures to see what they say. So as we ask the question, is God just? Does God always act according to his standard? We go to his word. And we say, well, what does God say in his word? Look again, at our, look again at our passage in Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 to 4. Moses says, For I proclaim the name of Yahweh, the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he in the original language righteousness and justice come from a single word group and that's why you will often see righteousness and justice side by side in the bible and with that in mind here in deuteronomy 32 verses uh, verse 4 specifically we see three descriptions that describe god as just two are stated positively and one is stated negatively Positively put, Moses says in verse 4, and number 1, all his ways are just. And number 2, righteous and upright is he. Moses says that God's ways are an expression of his character. So since God is righteous, all his ways are righteous. Or if we work back the other way, if all of God's ways are just, that must mean that God himself is just. 
Whatever direction you travel, the conclusion is the same. God acts in accordance with his revealed standard. Negatively put, Moses says in the middle of verse 4, God is without injustice. It's a double negative. In other words, God will never, ever act in a way that is at odds with his set standard. None of his actions towards his people or his creation are at odds with his righteous and holy character. Now the context of Deuteronomy 32 is very interesting. It's known as the Song of Moses. Moses was told by God in chapter 31 to to write down and to compose a song as a witness, as a testimony against future generations of Israel. A song that was to remind future Israelites that God knew their evil intent before they did it. It anticipates an Israelite in the future, let's say during the exile, coming before God and complaining that God is unjust. Unjust in handing his chosen people over to a foreign nation. Saying, God, it's not fair. God, you've went wrong. God, this action isn't right. That God somehow went against his word. And to this Israelite, Moses' song recorded in Deuteronomy 32 stands as a witness, as a testimony, as an answer to their questions and their accusations. You see, God demanded covenant faithfulness from his people. It's recorded all throughout Deuteronomy. That's what it's all about. A new generation of Israelites has, has been raised up and Moses reminds them of the covenant God the one who they are to serve, and his demands upon them. And if they were to go after other gods, God says throughout the whole New Testament, throughout Deuteronomy, that he will hand them over to another nation as judgment for their idolatry. So far from being unjust, the exile was totally in line with God's words spoken through Moses. God was faithful to his word. God was faithful to his standard. God judged their sin accordingly. Are you able to see that point here? It's not that this is just God God got so annoyed at them and then just, just took a tantrum and threw them over to, uh, to the Assyrians and to the Babylonians. No, God tells them many, many hundreds of years before exile that if you do this, if you sin, I will send you over to a foreign nation. It's recorded in Deuteronomy 32. Read it when you go home. So God isn't acting um, against his standard. Rather, he has set his standard beforehand and the exile and judgment upon sin was God following through on his standard. It it, it 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 was the action, the result that their sin demanded. That's what justice is. It demands an action. And likewise, if the people were to confess their sin, again, that's saying exile, God, as faithful and just, would forgive them. That's what he told them through Moses. That if they come to him in exile and cry out to the Lord and say that they're sorry and ask him to forgive them, God, according to his revealed standard, will forgive them. Why? Well, because his standard reveals his character. He is, he, is, he is merciful, he is loving, and he is gracious, as we've thought about before. So this song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32 proclaims God's justice and faithfulness to answer any accusations that may arise from future generations. 
And this song of Moses is referenced again in the Bible. It's referenced in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. In Revelation 15 verse 3, we read, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Both at the start of the Bible and at the end of the Bible, God's ways, again which reveal his character, are described as just, as true. God is always faithful to his revealed standard. Later on, through the prophet Isaiah, God once again reminds his people that he is a just God. God says in Isaiah 61, verse 8, clearly, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. God hates those who take with force that, is, that which is not theirs. Robbery wrongs fellow humans. And God hates it when his, when his creatures are abused and when they are exploited by other creatures. Instead, God loves justice. He loves acts that accord and, and, and are right with his revealed standard. So the Old Testament clearly proclaims that God is a just God. Well, what about the New Testament? Well, again, there are many references that we could have, but I want to take a moment just to think about Paul's argument in Romans chapter 9. Between Romans chapter 9 and 11, uh, the Apostle Paul is, 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 is telling the Roman church, the Roman believers, about God's sovereign choice of his people. Paul talks about God's election of some from Israel and some from the Gentiles and God's rejection of other people from Israel and others from the Gentiles. Paul uses the Old Testament to, uh, to prove that God has always revealed himself as a God who loves who he loves, hates who he hates, has compassion on whom he has compassion and shows mercy to whom he will show mercy. And Paul then anticipates in Romans chapter 9 someone questioning God's ways. Saying, God, that's not unfair. It's not unfair that you didn't choose that person. God, it's not unfair. It's, it, it, in fact, it's unjust that you didn't pick that person. And Paul asks in Romans chapter 9 and verse 14, What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part. And look at his response. By no means. By no means. Why is God's election fair? Because God is both sovereign. Thought about before. And he is just. As sovereign he acts how he pleases. And as just his actions never violate. His set standard. All the works of the king of heaven. Are right and all his ways are just. No one can ever protest or debate or question his decisions or actions. You know the way in life, um, I think it's the same in Germany, uh, if, if, if the government makes a decision and the public have a problem with that or someone else raises a problem with that decision, that there's, there's, a, there's a higher committee in a sense that can investigate that decision to see whether it was right or wrong. Well, that's not the case with God. That's not the case with God. Number one, because there is no higher committee than God. But number two, because none of his ways are ever unjust. 
They are all just, they are all righteous, and they are all perfect. In a sinful world where injustice abounds, God reveals himself to us as the God of justice. God acts and judges by his own standard revealed in his moral law and perfectly practiced by Jesus while on earth. That's why the psalmist continually says, but we'll read Psalm 89 verse 14, that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So our question is, is God just? Does God always act according to his revealed standard? And we answer, yes. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. Next Sunday, we'll be looking at the and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And there are many implications that we could focus on, but Paul tells the Areopagus in Athens, Acts 17, that God raised Jesus from the dead to give assurance to all that one day the world will be judged by God's righteous standard. That's one of the implications of the resurrection. God raised Jesus from the dead to demonstrate and to assure people that the world will be judged in righteousness by Jesus. Don't be fooled this morning. Judgment is certain. R.C. Sproul, an American theologian just read this morning, said that modern man, us, are betting his eternal destiny that there is no final judgment. That is a tragically fatal mistake. Are you, are, are you betting your life this morning on the slogan YOLO? <laughs> you only live once. And after death there is nothing. We just pass into, into the air. Well, you're tragically mistaken. And how can I say that? How, how can we say that? Because God has raised Jesus historically from the dead. And Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, everyone, Christian and non-Christian, will give an account for every thought, word and action. And the certainty of judgment day, the certainty of just judgment, provides us with three reminders for right now. Three reminders for right now as we live in a sinful world where evil and injustice abound. Reminder number one, God will, not maybe, not might, God will punish sin. You see, the certainty of judgment reminds us that everyone will give an account for every thought, word, and action. Since the eyes of the Lord are in every place, no one will be overlooked and nothing will be forgotten. The thoughts known only to you will be revealed. Words spoken only in private will be made public. Evil actions that were not caught in this life will one day be judged. You can't hide. You can't lie. 
You can't bribe your way out. No one will escape God's judgment. The books will be opened and everything everyone has ever done will be intimately reviewed line by line and justly judged by Jesus according to God's righteous set standard. God will punish sin. And do you know what that means? Well, it means that that Nashville shooter who escaped the courtroom now will one day stand before Christ. This means that Putin will one day give an account for his brutal actions in Ukraine, not to the International Criminal Court, but to God, to Jesus. It means that human traffickers and migrant smugglers will be held to account for the lives that they have damaged and the lives that they have lost because of their greed and, 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 and desire for power. It means that false teachers in America and in Africa and in Asia will be revealed and judged for preying on vulnerable sheep. And it also means that you... And I will have to give an account to God for all that we have done and all that we have failed to do. And let me ask you this morning, are you ready to stand in the divine courtroom? Are you ready to face Jesus? Again, the standard is not our laws in Germany, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia. It's not our feelings. It's not others. The standard is God's moral law found in the Bible, written in our hearts and perfectly fulfilled in his son Jesus. And on that day, all of us will be found guilty of falling short of God's perfect standard. Guilty of disobeying God. Guilty of displeasing God. Guilty in thought and in word and in deed. We are guilty and we rightly deserve God's righteous punishment. And you ask, Alex, will Christians be judged on that day? Yes. God's word says yes. God shows no partiality. Both the living and the dead will be judged. Both the rich and the poor will be judged. Both the great and the small will be judged. And both the believer and the unbeliever will be judged. However... And this is the important point. There's a difference between the outcome of the believer and the outcome of the unbeliever. Unbelievers will be found guilty and they'll be sent away to an eternity absent from God's love. Believers, on the other hand, will be found guilty, but also their names will be found in the Lamb's book of life. It means that believers are covered by the blood of Jesus and won't be condemned. Because in this life, believers pass from death to life by confessing their sins to God and trusting Jesus as their only saviour. So will believers be judged? Will I be judged as a Christian? Yes. Will believers be condemned? No. Why? Because of God's grace received through faith in Jesus in this life. Please don't make the mistake of thinking that the sins of, of us as believers are simply, simply passed over. 
That would make God unjust. For God to pass over sins and, and, and in a sense to go round his standard for the sake of believers, that, that would make God unjust. Instead, the sins of a believer have been paid in full by Jesus' sacrifice in their place on the cross. Justice wasn't overlooked. Justice wasn't passed by. Rather, justice was satisfied at the cross for all who would come to trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans three twenty-five to 26 that God put forward Jesus as a propitiation. Thought about it the last time. It means that, that, that God's wrath is satisfied and it's turned away. God put forward Jesus as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Paul is saying that God doesn't in the end pass by believer sins, but rather it was satisfied on the cross, making God both just and the one who gives the justice to unworthy and guilty sinners. So Christian You will have to give an account. I will have to give an account. And it terrifies us. Our thoughts and our words and our deeds will be judged. And they will be reviewed so that everyone can see. But take heart. Be comforted. Be assured today that you will not be condemned. You will not be consumed. Why? Because you're covered by the blood of Jesus As we've been singing, because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Or as another song goes, the cross has spoken, you are forgiven. The king of kings calls me his own. Amen. This is our assurance on judgment day. When the books are open, and metaphorically, if Jesus was to say, why should I pass over you right now? Why should you get into heaven And you say, because you died on the cross in my place and you were raised again for my justification. Justice was satisfied at the cross. So believers, we will be judged. We will give an account. But praise the Lord, we will not be condemned. And if you're not a Christian this morning, the certainty of judgment reminds you that God will punish your sin. You cannot escape it. You may have escaped judgment in this life. You can't make excuses about it. You may have made excuses in this life. And it's a terrifying truth to hear. But there's good news for you too today. Because Jesus experienced God's wrath on the cross for all who would trust in him. And the Bible tells us that if you confess your sins to God and if you trust in Jesus' finished work on the cross, you will be forgiven. Your guilt will be removed and you will not be condemned on judgment day. Not because you're good in and of yourself, but because of what Jesus has done for you. So will you put your trust in Jesus today? On the Easter week, Will you trust in the one that we celebrate? The one who died on the cross for the sins of his people and was raised again for their justification on the final day. 
Will you today pass from condemned to covered by the blood? That's what reminder number one calls us to remember. That God will punish sin. Reminder number two. God will, not might, not maybe. God will avenge his people. Christians have suffered and Christians continue to suffer for their faith in Jesus. Some experience physical persecution and others verbal abuse. Some are uh, put out of families and societies and others are killed for their faith. We thought at the start about the 5,621 known believers who were killed just last year. Let that number sink in. Known believers, 5,621 people dead. Why? Because of their faith, their allegiance to Jesus. Will those responsible for their suffering be held accountable? Yes. Because the Lord is an avenging God. God considers it just to afflict those who afflict his people. Look down at the end of our chapter in chapter 32 of Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 43. Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods. For he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on all his adversaries. At his appointed time, our just God will avenge his people. The same verse uh, in Deuteronomy is applied by the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 19 to 21. Paul writes in Romans 12, it should be on the screen behind me, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you see what Paul is saying? When When you're persecuted for your faith, and you will be, don't repay evil with evil. Tit for tat, a tooth for a tooth and an eye for eye. Don't do that. Don't seek revenge. Don't plot how to hurt your enemy. Instead, trust God and do good to others. Trust that God is just and trust that his righteous character will avenge you. Because God will never ever let evil done to his people go unpunished. God will one day put every wrong right. He will one day avenge his people. He will one day answer the martyrs who say, How long, O Lord? Because it is in his very character to do so. Isn't that what Jesus did while on earth when he was insulted and persecuted? Jesus didn't threaten. Jesus didn't plot how to get the Pharisees and the Sadducees back. He didn't seek revenge. Instead, Peter tells us in his first letter that Jesus entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Let us then, by the Spirit's help, seek to follow the example of Jesus. Let us patiently wait on the God of justice to avenge his people because one day, and it could be soon, one day he will. And also let us pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world 
Let us pray that they too would trust the one who judges justly and as a result be able to do good to their enemies. And that's what reminder two teaches us that God will, will avenge his people. So God will punish sin. God will avenge his people. Thirdly and finally, God will reward the Christian's labor of love. I wonder if you've ever been frustrated when you did something nice for your spouse and they didn't notice it. Maybe tidied the house. Maybe made the dinner. Maybe maybe cleaned up the room. Maybe bought flowers. I don't know. But you're frustrated that they overlooked that. Have you ever been annoyed at work because your boss or or you? Or your team members didn't acknowledge your hard work? Have you ever felt disappointed because no one has ever said thank you for your service in church? Well, the truth is, in life, good works are often overlooked, unappreciated, and they are forgotten. But they are never forgotten by God. God's eyes are in every place, keeping watch in both the evil and the good. And on judgment day, yes, evil will be punished. And also, the Christian's good works will also be remembered and rewarded. This is the other side of God's justice found in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, we read, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. I love how the King James Version says it. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. Our just God will reward the Christian's labor. It's a struggle. It takes a lot from us. God will reward the Christian's labor of love. Your service for the saints, whatever that looks like, may be overlooked. It may be unappreciated. It may even be forgotten in this church. And if it is, I'm sorry that's happened. It may be forgotten in this church or another church. But be encouraged that God will reward your labor of love. And this reminder should motivate us. It should stir us on as believers to continue loving and continue serving others and also to practice justice. Because God is just, we as his people are to show justice to others. To show kindness to, to those who, who are vulnerable in society. The fatherless, the widow and the stranger. To treat everyone with respect, no matter their age or their race or their sex. To pray about and to make our voice heard about different types of injustices in society. To avoid favoritism and taking bribes or even shortcuts in work. It should motivate us to live like Christ, even when no one else around us ever notices So by the Spirit's help, let us live a life pleasing to God because our thoughts, our words, and our actions will one day be revealed and judged and recorded, uh, rewarded accordingly. And that's reminder number three. God will, will reward the Christian's labor of love. So churches, we close And as we soon step into another week in our sinful world where evil and injustice abounds, God's word teaches us that our God is just. 
And because he is just, we can be encouraged that every sin will be punished, that his people will be avenged, and our labor of love in Christ will one day be rewarded. Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your word to our hearts this morning. We thank you, God, that you are just. We thank you that, as the psalmist says, justice and righteousness are the foundations of your throne. We thank you too, God, for the example set down by Jesus while on earth and that you're always faithful to your word. And as we step into another week in a world where evil and injustice abound, help us to remember the truths that we have heard today. Help us by your spirit to store these truths up, to treasure them within our hearts, the truths that you will one day punish sin, you will one day avenge your people, and you will one day reward our labor of love. We take a moment also to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, in the Middle East, and the Asia. We ask by your spirit, O God, that today they too would know these truths, and they would live in light of them. To the praise and glory of our Saviour and Lord. Amen. Amen.